You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. Jay, I've done over 1,300 podcasts now. The very first one I released on January 2014, and I had like three or four in the can. I remember I had like Mark Echo in the can, maybe Tim Ferriss maybe Tucker Max, one or two others. And then that was early 2014. And Jay, when did you start working with me? I think it's 2016 because you always remember me as 28, even though I'm 35 right now. I cannot believe you're 35. How did that happen? I have no idea. Time flies. I worked with you for more than six years. It was April 1st, April Fool's Day, 2016. We had Jesse Itzler yeah. on. He had just written Training with the Seal, something like that. Yes. And that was good. That was a good book. Jesse's a great guy. Great podcast that we met on. And then you switched around uh, as an audio engineer at different places. And finally, you came on as the producer of the James Altucher Show. Thank so you. Thank you. You, I've probably done about, I don't know, I mean, that's six years. And we do three podcasts a week. So we've done about 900 podcasts together. Oh, yeah. It's sometimes more than that because like sometimes, you know, you do you do other shows. I've considered and then I recorded those shows as well. So it's 
you do more than more than that. Oh my God. And look, here's the thing. And this is for any listener out there who would like to come on the podcast. Maybe you've written a book, maybe you've done something interesting and you have some good stories. I want to give you some advice specifically, but this is really for anybody who wants to write a book and I'm begging you to do this. What I'm about to say, write an interesting book. And I'll tell you what I mean in a second. So, so many, I've heard so many things, you know, after 1300 podcasts, I look back and I say, well, how is my life better? Have I learned anything from all these amazing people who've been on the podcast? And you know, there's some things in common that everyone says like, blah, 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 sleep eight hours, be grateful, don't eat sugar. Cold shower. Cold showers. Yeah. Not that many people have said that lately. I don't know. Maybe it's like out of favor lately. I don't know. Yeah. But here's the thing. None of that's bad. I don't care about any of that. The reason why a lot of people say the same thing is because they're like scientists. They quote all these studies. Oh, people who sleep eight hours a day are more productive than people who sleep six hours a day. People who uh, are grateful are more likely to have this amazing thing happen to them. And, and there's all these scientific studies. Oh, this type of meditation is better than this type of meditation. Or this type of negotiation in business is better than this type of negotiation. Like the famous study where, you know, a bunch of students go up to people on a subway and say to them, sir, can I have your seat? And 70% of the people get up and give them their seat without any questions asked. So well, there's all these studies, but here's the problem. If you write a book with just all these studies, cause you have some statement you want to make or something you want to prove, or maybe you did the studies, maybe you're an academic or a scientist or whatever. Okay, it's fine, but how do I use those studies in real life? I'm not going to go up to people on a subway and say, "Hey, can I have your seat?" I'm never going to do that. And I don't know where else in life like I'm not going to walk up to people and say, "Hey, give me money." Like I don't think that is the same thing as the subway study. So, it's like all all these scientific studies, oh, when you know, 58% of people who are vulnerable are more likely to win the lottery than the 42% who are not vulnerable. Like none of that stuff is actually applicable to real life. And then, and then there's all the kind of business book, marketing books, where it's like the same lead, you know, how to be a leader, listen to people, do active listening and, you know, or how to be good at marketing, you know, buy Facebook at like, and I get it. Everybody wants to write a book so that they could say, um, they wrote a best-selling book in their category. They're an expert. Please hire me as a speaker. Please hire me as a consultant. Maybe publish my next book. And I, I don't blame these people. They want to write a book. They want that credential for a variety of reasons, but they just don't have anything original to say. Or it's often not that. They're often afraid to say what's interesting. And I think we've got done a pretty good job of saying no not because people are bad or bad guests or whatever, but I just don't want to have people on who say the same thing over and over again. You know, even among my friends, I've lost friends by not having guests on. And, you know, I, I and sometimes we book guests and I have to cancel at the last minute because I don't like the book and I hate doing that. I've lost friends over that. And, you know, I take responsibility for that. I like to read the books as close as possible to the podcast because then everything is in my short-term memory and it hasn't yet moved back into long-term memory where 
uh, you don't remember as much as when it's in your short-term memory. And, and I'm not blaming the authors. Once again, I'm taking responsibility myself. And again, here's the thing. Writing is a skill. And it's a different skill than writing a book. Writing a book means you sit down and you quote scientific studies and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's, it's hard to have the skill of writing a good story and to understand what's okay in a book. Some people are afraid to tell personal stories in a book. They think, oh, if I tell this personal story, it will, uh, you know, I need to do, I need to do case studies that are real examples of my theories, not just link to random stories to my theories. But here's the thing. I'm going to give you some advice on how to turn your crappy, boring book into an interesting book. Number one, your story is always interesting. Whether you believe this or not, your personal story is the most interesting story you have. It's, it's the one story that AI will not be able to tell better than you. You've done interesting things. You've lived your own unique life. Uh, maybe, you know, when you were a kid, nobody liked you. So you learned how to do magic. And now you knew all these things about how to do magic tricks. What does that have to do with entrepreneurship? I don't know. You tell me, tell the story. I want to know how to do those magic tricks. Tell how that's similar to the day you got your first customer in a business. Like, you know, even, even the in reasons you were interested in writing the book you wrote, that's interesting to me. And, and it's going to be interesting to others. If you write authentically, like if you say, you know, I wanted to give talks about leadership because I thought it'd be a way to have sex with strangers. I might have meet in the audience. Then I, I hate to say this. That's pretty authentic when you say that. And you might be like, Oh, I can't possibly say that. That sounds bad. And maybe you're right. But the one advice I have related to this is I personally do not hit publish unless I'm a little bit afraid of what people will think, because if I'm not afraid, then it means I'm saying something that someone else has said before. So, so I could describe any, any post. like, for instance, this is like 15 years ago, I wrote an article on why you sh people shouldn't go to college anymore. And I, it was a column in the financial times where I first wrote this and Unfortunately, sadly, I lost friends over this because they thought it was really important that they went to their Ivy League school and 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 that's how they it changed their life. So fine, whatever. But I was afraid what people would think because 15 years ago this wasn't as big a discussion as it is now. Or even I will I will once again talk about this viral article. Uh, you know, I wrote New York City is dead forever. Here's why. I wrote it because I love New York. I was seeing all these problems. No one else was blah, blah, blah. But I, what was I afraid of? I wasn't afraid that 8 million people would hate me, which is what happened. I was afraid. This is the one article I, I had ever written where at the end, I wasn't really optimistic about what was going to happen. Cause I didn't know the answers about how to save big cities. Cause of the, you know, don't forget the economy was shut down for two years and big cities are expensive to run. And, you know, as has happened is people living in major urban areas moved out, particularly the tax base. And this is starting to cause problems now, but I was afraid because it was the first article I think I had written in that all I could in, in all the days I remember where I didn't offer a solution simply because I didn't know. And I remember thinking that I remember thinking, 
okay, I'm about to hit publish. What am I afraid of here? And that was, I could feel it in my stomach. That was the fear that I had. So be authentic, be a little bit nervous with what you're writing because don't forget you're saying something new. And again, authenticity, tell your own story. You could say, for instance, my dad was constantly humiliated by his boss every day I was growing up. So I was determined to learn, learn how to be a good leader who did not humiliate his employees. And you could describe their process by which you learned this and your stories along the way and why it was so bad, like how your dad's life was ruined. He became a wreck of a human by his boss and you just did not want to do that. And you could just, again, describe how you learned to be a leader. Now that's interesting to me, as opposed to saying, oh, we did, we broke people into two groups one where the leader was yelling at everybody, the other where the leader kept saying, I love this, I love this. And the people in the love group were 51% more effective than the people in the control group. Like, in other words, don't be a scientist. That's this, this is rule number two. Number, rule number one, your story is always interesting. Rule number two, do not be a scientist. I have a question. Go ask your question, Jay. Yes. So. Is there a way to turn? So let's say if if my day is just sitting around and walk to the park, is there any tips or tricks to make that story interesting? Yeah. When you walk your dog in the park, don't you want to talk to other people who are walking their dogs? Particularly right. if you're single, maybe an attractive person that you're attracted to. Wouldn't you like to be able to figure out, oh, she has a dog or he has a dog. It'd be great if we could talk. Did you ever have that experience? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, well, what happened? Like what happened when you uh, tried to talk to a real attractive girl who had a dog? Well, usually we, we hit it off and then two sentences later, I think he, they find me creepy and I just walk away. Why do they find you creepy? <laughs> <laughs> because I ask a lot of questions. Like I ask a lot of personal questions. Have you ever asked someone on a date that you, were, uh, that you met walking the dog? Yes. And then, and then the, the date became... Uh, when the date comes, you know, like when we're closer to when we're supposed to go out, she's like, oh, uh, my cousins come to town and visit. I'm like, okay, sure, let's do next weekend. She's like, okay, yeah, sure. And then closer to the date, and she's, she's like, oh, I have to go out of town. And then we schedule again, and then they're like, oh, no, you know. You ever run into her again in the park? Yeah, I tried to, and then she walked away. She just walked away? <laughs> yeah, she, I think she, I was trying to get close to her, and then she just like walked away. Okay, what do you mean you tried to? find her in the park again. <laughs> well, well, it's like, you know, sometimes you're you stalking her. I, I'm not stalking her, but sometimes, you know, you go to the same park for so long, you sort of know everyone's schedule, right? You know, this person. <laughs> that is a little creepy, by the way, but yes, I, I get what you're saying. So, so look, there, you just told me like five different stories and then let's connect this to entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is all about, first off, here's an important thing about entrepreneurship. When someone's in the meeting with you, they often say yes, but then later they really say, there's a lot of reasons why uh, in entrepreneurship, why someone says yes, they might say yes, because they really want to buy your product. They might say yes, but another very important, big reason why someone says yes, is they want to get you out of the room so that they could say no later on an email. Right. And so this, you could link any story. This is an example of a very important concept in entrepreneurship which is that yes, doesn't mean anything. No means something. No, people only say, because it's very hard to say no, people only say no if, if they really mean it. And you can, if you can ask someone or discover why did this person say no, 
that actually is valuable feedback for your business, or in your case, Jay, for your approach to women. Although I can <laughs> yes. already give you some feedback right now based on some of the things you just said. But that's how, you know, or let's say you're writing a book about, you know, negotiation. You know, maybe you have to kind of take what you learn, you know, first off, negotiation, like Robert Cialdini talks about this in Persuasion, that a lot of the preparation you do uh, uh, in a negotiation should be done in advance. And so like you were saying, you know the schedules, you know what parks people go to and so on. That's a little bit of persuasion, but maybe, you know, you need to do a little bit more tribe building. So mm. the tribe you found yourself in was people who walk dogs, but maybe, um, you could also find other things in common with that person other than just the fact that you walk dogs. And that might be better for your quote unquote negotiation of asking them out on a date, but on and on, as opposed to saying like, oh, when both sides are, have dopamine firing, that's a better time to negotiate according to neuroscience. Like that's most books, uh, you know, are just baskets of scientific studies and people are afraid to tell their personal stories. They only want to tell case studies. Oh, here, here's a book about how to innovate. Here's how Steve Jobs innovated. Okay, that's interesting, but I probably heard the story before. Unless, unless you're telling me something really new, I probably heard the story before. And I really want, you don't always have to tell your personal story. Maybe you could tell some story about how some random scientist in the 1800s innovated the toilet and boom, that was super innovative. And I have never heard that. I don't, I don't know when the invention of plumbing was. So like, again, just because seven out of 10 people give me their subway seat, this won't help me in real life. I'd rather know the story of why the professor did that research or what someone was thinking when a student asked for their subway seat or what happened when the author, the author himself of the study tried the technique in real life. Now, now we also have to wonder, can an AI write this chapter? Like if you ask yourself, I'm writing a chapter on how to be a better leader. If an AI could write the chapter I just wrote, then you have to rewrite it and tell more stories, tell your story, tell, to live a unique life. And that beats the AI or write about other people. The more, you know, quasi obscure, the better. When I say quasi obscure, someone potentially famous, like the inventor of the toilet or air conditioning or whatever, or some baseball player who was great, but not like world famous or soccer player or whatever. So tell stories. Stories are the bridge to, to communicate ideas from your book to other people's brains. And I could tell you, I, I did an experiment. I, I talked about this in a, a couple of podcasts ago. I wrote an 80 page book a few Saturday afternoons ago uh, uh, about the neuroscience of persuasion. I never published it. I just wrote it using chat GPT. I just wanted to see is AI a threat to book writing. And I realized first off, there was a particular way to use chat GPT to make the book as interesting as possible. And I could discuss that somewhere else, another podcast perhaps, but it showed me that one, the one thing AI can't beat us in AI will not live a unique life and you're going to do things in your future that an AI will never dream of. You will have done things in your past that an AI unless you've already written it down because the AI absorbs everything that people has written, unless you've already written down, AI won't be able to magically come up with this. By the way, even though my 
biography is everywhere uh, and Wikipedia and articles and all this stuff. If I ask uh, ChatGPT, hey, what, where's James Altucher from? It says Brooklyn. I hardly ever was in Brooklyn in my entire life. The AI is not always correct, which we know now. But again, if an AI can write the book or if the book is just a collection of studies, you need to rewrite the book. And it doesn't matter if the AI book is smart or whatever, it won't be a good book. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like, if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee 
on ZipRecruiter. And I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Rule number three, connect communities. And this is, this is really important. Like, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So Annie Duke, she's been on the podcast twice. She wrote this great book called Thinking in Bets. And it's a very scientific concept, actually. It's, it's a, from statistics where it, it's possible that you could make a bet that is almost always going to lose money. I'm talking about a financial bet but still it's the correct decision to make that bet because the expected value is positive. So if you make that bet thousands of times, eventually you'll make more money than you lose. Now that's a boring way to describe it, but Annie Duke took this concept and she, she told stories from her poker career. She's a, was a professional poker player for like, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. She was able to tell the story from her experience in poker Plus she told other stories, many, many stories. And then she also told the history, you know, the stories about the history of the early statisticians. And she came up with a unique book, which combined poker, her stories, other people's stories, the history of statistics, and this concept of expected value to write a book called Thinking in Bets. So here's the formula. So she connected the poker world with the world of decision-making, with the world of statistics. So unusual thing, which is this concept of expected value, this concept that you can make bets that almost always lose, but it's still the correct decision. Unusual thing plus real story plus scientific proof plus connecting communities equals good book. So remember that unusual thing plus real story, tell real stories plus scientific proof plus connecting communities equals a good book. Number four, rule number four, add to the frontier of knowledge. So whatever you're writing about, make sure you are saying something new. So I'll give an example, Range by David Epstein. Great podcast episode that I did with him. Uh, I forget, Jay, did we have David Epstein on once or twice? Oh, twice, because he came on for the How To Podcast again. He used to host How To, How to Podcast by Slate. Oh yeah, right, right. But anyway, David wrote this book, Range, which it studies the ideas behind the peak performance concept of the 10,000-hour rule. So Malcolm Gladwell wrote about the 10,000-hour rule, which was developed by Anders Ericsson, who has been on the podcast also. And it's basically this concept that uh, if you spend 10,000 hours of what's called deliberate practice on something, you will be among the best in the world. So fine. But David Epstein added to the frontier of knowledge about the 10,000-hour rule. 
And I'll just say, he has a unique background. He trained as a geologist, but was obsessed with sports. He became the youngest writer ever for Sports Illustrated by being their science of sports writer. So he com it's like idea sex. He did career sex, where he combined his career as a scientist with his love of sports to be the first sports science writer at Sports Illustrated. And that made him the youngest writer at Sports Illustrated. So this unusual expertise combined with studying hundreds of stories of sports excellence and scientific research allowed him to add to the frontier of knowledge of what creates great athletes. It might not be 10,000 hours of repetition, but a good synthesis of a variety of disciplines. That's called, that's why he called the book range and synthesis of all these different disciplines creates peak performance. And I remember to this day, the stories, like he told the story of Pele and how Pele got to be the best soccer player in the world by playing something else called football in Brazil and combining that with soccer or football. So, you know, it's not like this idea was a big secret, but Epstein uses real stories and backed as minimally as possible by science to write a good and unique book that expands the frontier of what we thought we already knew about expertise. So number five, very good. This is a very good rule. If you want to write a book, make an old idea new. And I'll use as an example, Ryan Holiday, who is coming on the podcast in a few weeks. The guy writes a book every six months now. He's coming on the podcast to uh, support his next book. But uh, Ryan Holiday, Robert Greene does this too. They are the masters of taking an old idea and making it new. Ryan takes an old philosophy, stoicism. No one has really thought seriously about stoicism since 300 AD, 2000 years ago almost. He takes a simple, he takes this philosophy, takes a simple concept from it that is relevant to everyone like discipline or ego or courage. And then he kind of, he, he researches 30 to 100 modern day stories that exemplify the concept of discipline or ego and uses a, a, and he takes modern stories. Like he'll tell the story of Babe Ruth or he'll tell the story of Napoleon or some scientist or whatever. And it'll exemplify how ego is the enemy or discipline is destiny. And it has an element of stoicism in it. Like he'll tell the story of John McCain being a prisoner in Vietnam and how he was very stoic in sort of, you know, surviving through that difficult period. And this was unique. Other books about stoicism tend to focus on just the history of it and the history of the ideas rather than saying Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig were Stoics. So, so that was really fascinating. Rule number six, and this is difficult, but I'm going to give you some shortcuts here. Be a really good writer. Now, this is hard. Uh, again, I started writing. I remember I started writing in 1989, or no, 1990 because I saw this friend of mine who was pretending to be a writer. He always said he was a writer. I never saw anything he, he wrote. You know, we were all like 21 years old or something. And this, the girl I liked was going out with him because she, she wanted to be a writer. She actually did become a successful writer. He was pretending to be a writer all the time. And I literally was thinking, boy, I want to be a writer. This looks pretty good. And that was of course the wrong reason to get into writing, but I eventually, you know, very quickly, actually, I fell in love with writing. I really wanted to be a great writer. I was reading everything. I was writing all the time, but I was constantly writing. I was writing 3000 words a day for years. And I was, I wrote novel after novel, after story, after story. I got rejected everywhere. It took 
it took 14 years. No, it took 13 years from the day I started writing seriously before I got my first check, paid money for writing uh, uh, an article. I got $200 for an article I wrote about stocks in January, 2003. And I framed that check, actually. I don't think to this day I've ever cashed that check. It's hard to write, but I'll give you, um, let me just give you some tips here. First off, study the best writers. Now, I just described some examples from some nonfiction writers who I think are very good, but the best writers by far are usually fiction writers. Why are fiction writers better than nonfiction writers? Nonfiction writers spend their lives focusing on the thing that the nonfiction subject that they are an expert in. So if you're writing a book on about the history of World War II, you spent your life or many years becoming an expert in World War II. You didn't spend all your time becoming an expert writer, right? Being a great writer, like, a, like one of the greats, requires three to five hours a day. You have to read a lot of writing and then you have to write a lot. Being an expert in World War II also might take three to five hours a day or being an expert poker player probably takes 10 hours a day. So the best writer, fiction writers, focus just on writing. Nonfiction writers focus on, you know, the topic that they're writing about. So they're experts on that. But it doesn't mean you have to be a bad writer. Uh, you know, here, the, the technique is, before you start writing for the day, read a great writer, maybe for an hour, and you'll feel the inspiration sort of bubbling up. Uh, and you'll learn from the great writers. I, I started doing this technique. I remember I was in, I had to write a, an essay in 12th grade, senior year of high school, and I couldn't write it. It was so hard. And my dad gave me a book uh, by a great writer. And he said, well, just read a couple of chapters of this. And this is like probably the best, I'm thinking this now, it's probably the best advice my dad ever gave me because he gave me some really horrible advice otherwise. But he said, read, read just a couple of chapters of this book. I read it and I instantly, like it's almost like it flew from out of the book. Like I started writing my essay in the, almost in the style of, I think the book was The Magic Mountain by Thomas Mann and who now I wouldn't really enjoy, but you know, he was a great writer, I think of the 1800s. And I wrote this essay. I got like an, an A plus on it. The teacher was really impressed. She's like, I didn't know you could write like this. And even now to this day, before I write, I always read good, solid fiction. Uh, there are some books I've read maybe over 200 times because I have like my go-to books that are inspirations for my writing. And I tend to read, what I, what I like to read is semi-autobiographical fiction. So now this is called literary nonfiction, but you know, take a guy like Charles Bukowski or Hunter S. Thompson, they would often write books that felt like fiction, but it was actually very autobiographical. And so there are a lot of writers like that. And I tend to read those writers before I write my own articles or, or essays. And, you know, all of, all of the writers I read, they're very self-deprecating. They're great storytellers. They're great writers. And the stories they tell are the vehicles that they use to exhibit their skill in storytelling. And so again, I'm going to summarize all of this. Oh, but one, one question that doesn't raise my hand. So like with the chat GPT, does that really matter if you're a good writer or a bad writer? Well, you're not going to use chat GPT to write your book because if you do that, you're going to write a bad book. Oh, okay. 
if ChatGPT could write your book, then don't write it. Oh, okay. ChatGPT, it always, people always say, oh, you know, write a speech about bowel movements in the style of Abraham Lincoln. And then it's funny and it seems unique and whatever, but it's not really a unique story. It's a, it, it, And yes, maybe in one day in the future, ChatGPT will write stories that seem very close to unique and original, but they won't ultimately be unique and original because, you know, ChatGPT is drawing from a source, which is like maybe all of Wikipedia plus all of Reddit, uh, as the data that it does its AI on, but right. you yourself, it's not going to maybe write, uh, the story of what happened to you, you know, all your experiences asking out thousands of women in the dog walking park. Only you could tell your unique story and right. only you could tell it in a way that has writerly skill. One thing for sure I've seen from ChatPT is that it writes very clean articles, but they're not, but I could tell they're too clean. And Got even it. when you try to, to say, Hey, mix it up right in the style of Hunter S Thompson or something like that, it won't really read like that. Like mimicking, mimicking, ultimately it doesn't do well. It doesn't, it doesn't work and it doesn't really understand the nuances of how really great writers write. Gotcha. ChatGPT will not write like a good writer ever. I mean, okay, I shouldn't say never because it's going to get better, but always a great writer will, will be able to stay ahead, I think. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. All of these techniques I'm using, please do these techniques. And I will love to have you on as a podcast guest after you write your incredibly unique book. So remember, tell your story, tell other people's story, tell the journey of how you learn something as well as the conclusion, because that's how you tell your personal failures along the way. Don't tell me a book. Don't write me a book on leadership and expect me to read it. If, or anybody to read it, if you don't have your own personal failures along the way, because that's the part every reader relates to. Right. Make an old idea new, whether it's stoicism or the art of war, like Stephen Pressfield wrote the war of art, which is kind of like Sun Tzu's the art of war, except about art. Synthesize ideas like David Epstein did in range and he Duke did in thinking in bets. Don't just quote science or other people's ideas. I don't, I don't care about some scientific study that was conducted at the university of New Hampshire. Just, just tell me 
you could mention store, you know, the 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 academic source a little bit, like maybe a tiny bit, but you don't even have to. I want I want to know what happened to you. Uh, you know, be be a, an experiment of just one person. That's what I care about is your story. Ask yourself, can AI write this? If AI can write it, let it. Don't just use AI to write your book and publish it. Everyone will see right through that. Or the, even if they don't see right through that, they'll be bored with your book. Answer these questions. Who are you? Why are you? And why now? So for instance, I'm writing a book about my journey as someone over the age of 50 who is trying to once again master a skill that I had previously mastered when I was in my early 20s. So I was a chess master in my early 20s. I stopped playing in tournaments as I became more serious about family and business and all that. And now I'm starting again and it's so hard, but I've learned I'm, and I'm failing so much, but I, I've talked to neuroscientists, psychologists. I've had so many like weird and wild stories that are just insane. And so, so who am I? I'm a writer, chess player, and, and someone who's as an adult, as an older person trying to improve. Why am I? I'm someone who's always interested for whatever stupid reason in taking on challenges that are probably too hard for me. Like I wish I was uh, I, I loved making bonsai trees or I was a bird watcher or I collected, you know, rocks or something. Why now? So, so again, the questions are, who are you? Why are you? Why now? And the why now is, well, chess as an example has reached new heights in popularity. Thanks to the TV show, the queen's gambit. So a hundred billion people have registered accounts on chess.com. And right now happens to be the point when I'm doing this. So that's why now. And, and adult improvement during the pandemic became very important to people because they had to figure out things to do and things to learn and how you how the brain changes as you're an adult is very much related to how you improve. So that's the why now. And the answers to these questions are unique for every writer and for every story. Jay is a shy person who owns a dog. Why is he? He's he, He's... He's single and, or he was, he was single and he was asking out girls on, on his dog walking. Why now? It's because during the pandemic, he got a dog and was, was walking them all the time. And this is an interesting topic as people fought with loneliness during the years that they were isolated. I so, was very lonely. Yeah. See, so this was, and a lot of people were, and so that's very, it's very important to understand why are you writing this book now? Um, that's again, part of you know, and as you dive deeper into that with stories, maybe even stories from your childhood or parents or whatever, you know, as you answer these questions and revolve it around a topic, which is the idea of the book, that makes a unique writer or a unique story, a unique book. So again, this is all not a summary of how to be a good writer, but just the tip of the iceberg on making a book that is interesting enough to be shared with others on, for instance, a podcast, a speech, a consulting gig, coaching, whatever. And again, this doesn't mean other people, everybody should write their expertise books, but, and it doesn't mean people shouldn't write the books they're writing, even if it's a bad book. I 100% respect that people are writing books for all sorts of reasons. It doesn't have to be a, a Pulitzer Prize winning a book, but just in terms of what I want to have on this podcast, that's the filter. This is the type of book I recommend everyone write if they're writing an expertise kind of book. And this is just a few tips how if you're not a writer, you can still write a book that moves the needle 
and stands above the rest. And if you do this, I promise you, I look forward to having you on this podcast. Yes, I will be on your podcast. You're going to write the book about asking out girls on your dog walk. Yes. <laughs>